Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. The NFL's trading deadline passed Tuesday afternoon, and the Green Bay Packers stood pat. Was that a good decision or a bad one? And what kind of message did it send the Packers players and coaches? Greetings, I'm Gary Wolfel, and I'm once again joined by Rob Reichel, the Ace Packers reporter, for another Packers podcast, one that should be quite lively and entertaining. Good day, Sir Rob. Hello, young man. I, I, I think we'll be more active tonight than Green Bay's general manager was today, so... Nice. <laughs> so you can enter a podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my God. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little surprised that I, I know I shouldn't be in light of the fact that, you know, the NFL doesn't make a lot of trades anyways at the deadline and knowing the history of the Packers, but nevertheless, I, I was surprised Rob and what kind of message do you think uh, Packers general manager Brian Gutekun sent uh, to his coaches and players? Was it one that, hey, we have confidence in this current roster? Or was it one that said, hey, we just weren't good enough to upgrade the roster? Yeah, Maybe. I think they'll sell it, Gary, as the former there, what you just outlined in terms of, hey, th- this roster is good enough to win. We didn't have to do anything with it, even though they're a they're a three and five football team. And the way the schedule looks in the second half, they will be really, really fortunate, Gary, to find a way to, to end the season with a winning record. Gary, my belief is they don't know who they are right now. And the reason they stood pat is they were terrified, Gary, of, of making the wrong choice. So they just made no choice because they, at this point in time, do not have a clue who they are. You know, Gary, if you look back, in 2019 and then into the draft of 2020, they were kind of a forward thinking football team, right? They, Mm -hmm. they draft Jordan love in April of 2020 coming off a 13 and three season where I think internally they felt pretty fortunate to win 13 games. A lot went right for them that year in Matt LaFleur's first season. And they had an eye to the future and they went that direction. Well then Gary in 2020, they were a dominant football team. Uh, number one seed had the highest plus minus in the conference. They were, they were blowing people out and they couldn't get it done obviously against Tampa Bay, but Rogers was so good that year with the 48 touchdowns, he left him no choice, but to kind of end the Jordan love experiment before it even got started. And, 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 and they wound up bringing him back Gary. So they went all in then to try to get it done in 2021. Couldn't, Wanted to go all in again in 2022, but the Devontae Adams thing, I think, threw a threw a monkey wrench into that plan. And now here they sit at three and five. Gary, believe it or not, there's only two teams in the conference with worse records than them right now. Carolina and Detroit. Detroit has one win. Carolina has two. Now they're tied with a few others with the three wins that they have sitting there at three and five. But, but Gary, th- this is the last place in the world they expected to be. And, and I have a hunch that maybe under different circumstances, they would have been a seller here at the trade deadline. But with the quarterback making 50 plus million dollars a year, and you've kind of told him you will go all in here on, on his final seasons, 
with the team. And Lord knows that this could wind up being the last one, the way 2022 was trending, Gary. It would have been a horrendous look for them to trade off parts. But I think internally, Gary, they know this looks nothing like a championship team. So in essence, what they all did today is, you know, they turned off their phones, they flipped off the lights, they all took an early nap, and uh, they, they 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 let the Vikings get T.J. Hawkinson, and 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 they let the 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 Bears get Chase Claypool, and yeah, we we can double et cetera, et cetera those, right? They, yeah. they, they 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 let everybody else make all the moves around the league, Gary, and uh, and and they shut it down early, and they were at Chili's at. At, at two thirty, having a cocktail instead of uh, you know taking this thing out to uh, the three p.m. trade deadline. Gary, they're a rudderless organization to me right now. They don't they don't know if they're coming or going. They don't know if they're up or down. And there's nothing worse in this league, Gary, than being stuck in the middle. Right? You're either yeah, great or, or, or you're a bottom feeder that that has you know a top five draft pick that can change the fortunes of your franchise. There's nothing worse than being stuck in that you know 12 to 22 range and and being eight and nine, nine and eight, having the 15th pick in the draft where you get a marginal starter or something like that. And Gary, that to me, that's the way it looks like this team is trending right now, and and that does not bode well for 2022 or anything down the road. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think what was it a week or two ago, you had a list of guys that they might pursue. And I, I think you had Claypool on that list, correct? Yep. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. You know what? And I agreed with you. I, I thought they would definitely pursue him. And by all accounts, they did pursue him. And I thought they would even go after Brandon cooks, but I, I found out late last night that they apparently didn't have much interest, if any at all in cooks but the claypool trade to the bears was interesting because some reports have said that hey the, you know the packers were definitely in the mix they were right there at the end but the bears came in with that second round pick and i'm thinking like well that's all well and good but if you're the packers then sweeten the pot i mean you don't have to give them another second or or a first or a third but maybe a fourth or a fifth down the road you know and, uh, I mean, if they really wanted this guy, then go after him. And on the flip side, I'm thinking, like, why are the Bears giving up a second-round pick, which could be a high second-round pick, when they have so many needs? And uh, Claypool, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't think he's the number one type receiver, somebody that's going to transform you into a great team. So kind of, kind of an interesting uh, scenario there. Well, a few thoughts there, Gary. Number one, Claypool would walk into into Green Bay and he'd be the number one within three seconds. I, um, I stand by my uh, statement. <laughs> he's so, not a number one. <laughs> he may Maybe not be an, he may not be a number one, Gary, but he he's a really good number two if if that's what he's yes. gonna be. Yes. And and if you're Chicago, maybe they see him in that light and they need a young stud to 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 pair with the quarterback who they're gonna now try to give the weapons too, because I think Justin Fields has shown them enough in the last three, four weeks for, for them to have real belief and faith that they have their guy right now, long-term and, and Mooney's a Mooney would be a number one immediately in green Bay Gary. And now so would Claypool. And so they've got two guys there. They can, they can clearly move forward with. And remember that 24 hours earlier, they had dumped Roquan Smith for a couple of draft picks, in, including a two, and on top of that, Gary, by getting out of, out of that Roquan Smith deal, they freed up $20 million of cap room. 
So they're they're doing some things right in in Chicago with that with that new GM and and, and new head coach and and power structure going on right there in Chicago. They, they, I think I think they felt hey they're not making the playoffs in in 2022. So dump some guys, which which they did leading up to the Claypool deal, and then find Justin Fields a wideout moving forward. Whether you know, and and Gary, who cares, right? Who cares if it's at the trade deadline? Who cares if it's at the draft? Who cares if it's in free agency? If that's the guy they like and are you know are really set on, go get him. And that's what Chicago did, and that's why Gutekunst and Ted Thompson and the Packers in general, Gary, have driven their fan base nuts now for fifteen plus years, twenty years almost, in you know in, in situations like that, no one gets a first place prize for the being in the mix category. Exactly. More yeah. than the green Bay Packers. I mean, <laughs> yep. good Lord. And, 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 and here's, and here's what their PR team floats out there year in and year out, Gary green Bay is interested in so-and-so they, they set a price. So, so what good still do Gary is, 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 is he'll call the Steelers and he'll say, I'll give you a fifth or whatever. I'll give you a fourth knowing that he's probably lowballing him, but he's never going to come off of that. But then at the end of the day, he can get in front of the fans. He can get in front of the media and say, well, we were involved. We did try to get him." when really we all know deep down, Gary, he's not really trying. If, if, if you want to go get a legitimate guy, sometimes you're going to have to overpay. I mean, Ron Wolf knew 30 years ago that if he wanted Brett Favre bad enough, he was going to have to overpay. He gave up a first round pick for a second round uh, quarterback. Uh, uh, granted, he was yeah. an unbelievably high second round pick, but sometimes that's just the way this league works, Gary. San Francisco probably gave up too much, right, for Christian McCaffrey when you look at it all when it's all said and done. But guess what? Their window is right now. It's here. They've got a star-studded roster with a lot of a lot of team-controlled contracts, and they added this stud running back to an already really good offense. Um, if the quarterback doesn't muck it up, the 49ers could easily be in the Super Bowl. And year in and year out, Gary, when we hit the trade deadline, you know, you see this as well at, at, at draft time. I think I yelled and screamed on this podcast last year that Brian Gutekunst controlled the draft, you know, with as many picks as he had, the ones that were coming from Devontae Adams. Brian Gutekunst could have done anything he humanly wanted in that draft, Gary. And I kept screaming for him to go up and, and get a Christian, a Chris Olave or somebody like that in the draft. And, and what did he do? He, he stood pat. He took a couple of defensive guys. And then when he made his move, Gary, it was in the second round for a wide receiver who can't stay on the field named Christian Watson. So yeah. um, Gary, I, I'm telling you what, the, 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 that seat right there in Brian Gutekunst office has to be blazing right now it is on fire and um we'll get into this a little bit more here gary as as we go but um it, it's an incredibly disappointing football team i, I you, you look at where they're headed in the future gary I, I i i wouldn't be optimistic if i'm a packer fan i looked at this today gary you know just subjectively you know i i listed in my mind the top five six seven players on the roster and more of more than half of them are still ted thompson players they're not Brian Gutekunst picks. And, and after five years as being green Bay's general manager, I think that's a red flag against him. He's, he, he's had some bad drafts. The 2020 draft is bad. This draft is looking bad. He's made some, we'll get into this a little bit too, Gary. I want to, I, I want to touch on this. He's made five major trades Gary on, on draft weekend where he went up 
for all of these guys. I'm just going to bounce this off you real quickly. Okay. And you tell me if you like the player or not that he went up to get 2018, he goes up to get Oren Burks. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He gave up a four and a five to get into the third round of draft Burks bust 2019 Gary. He moves up. He gives up uh, a late first and two fourths for pick 21 and he uses it on Darnell Savage. How's that working out? It's not looking great now. I, I, we'll talk about Savage a little later in the uh, yep. podcast here, but I don't know what has happened to that dude. I, I'll just leave it at, at, at that for now, but okay, that's two guys. Okay, so now, so he, Gary, he's made one major trade in every draft where he's gone up to get people. So now in 2020, he goes up for Jordan Love, uh, yeah. moves up from 30 to 26 has to throw in a fourth round pick to move up those four spots. I would say right now it's not looking promising. Well, the jury's out. Yeah. Jury's I, out. I, yep. I, I'm not going to cast any aspersions on that pick yet, you know, but I mean, from, from the outside looking in, yeah, it looks like not, not a great pick, but again, it, it's way too early for that. Well, what, what, what really kills you though, Gary, is that was a team coming off an NFC championship game appearance and they needed some immediate help to pass you know, teams like San Francisco or Tampa Bay or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And in essence, they, they, they took a project. So, you know, 2021 Gary, he moves up into the third round. He gives up uh, a late third and a fourth for Amari Rogers. <laughs> I think my laugh tells it all right there. I think it does too. And then 2022 Gary here, this last draft. And again, it's, it's early still. He gives up two second round picks to jump up high into the second round and take Christian Watson. And you know what? I, I think that was uh, prodded by number 12. I really do. Uh, I, I think Rogers wanted him. That, that's my gut feeling. And based on some conversations I had, I was told by very good sources that leading to the draft, that Rogers evaluated every receiver that supposedly would be in the first, second, third round, okay? If they had Rodgers evaluating wide receivers, I I would imagine that when push came to shove, 12 was going to get his guy, and I really believe Watson was his guy. You you could be right. I mean, that's it's very interesting, Gary. It's the first I've heard that. You know, but but the Green Bay could have held on to those two picks, Gary, 53 and 59. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you know the players that were sitting there? Pickens yeah. who ended up in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Pierce who ended up in Indianapolis. A couple of young guys who look incredibly promising and are having much better rookie seasons than Christian Watson. You know, no matter what it, how, how you want to slice it, Gary, you know, those are, and, and I'm writing about that for tomorrow, you know, but Packer Nation is freaking out right now, Gary, that he didn't make a trade. And, and my counterpoint was, Maybe it's a good thing because these trades he's made on draft weekend where he gets Oren Burks, Darnell Savage, you know, Jordan Love, Amari Rogers, and Christian Watson sure haven't worked out real well. So yeah, you throw it all together, Gary, the fact that uh, he, he's had some rough drafts, he's made some really bad trades that we've, we've just outlined and that his football team is three and five. And, and, and I think the seat under Brian Gutekunst is getting extremely hot. Yeah, it definitely could. You know, what I, I, I really don't understand, and I've been a Gutekunst supporter all along. I, I've never wavered on it. I, I thought he's done a really good job. 
But when you give Aaron Rodgers that kind of money, you don't give them glorified college receivers. I mean, you go out and get an impact receiver, and especially after they lost Adams. And, and, and I find that inexcusable. You know, it, it just shouldn't happen. I mean, if, again, if you're going to pay Rodgers that type of cash, give them something to work with. I mean, you look at Kansas City, Rob. How many receivers have they brought in since Tyreek Hill went to Miami? Like three or four, maybe five? And then they added another one today, Gary, with Kadarius Tony from the Giants. A- a- absolutely. You know, I mean, they at least went out. None of those guys are Hall of Fame receivers, but they're, you know, proven veterans and uh, they they addressed a uh, critical need. And you, and you look at what's happening in Green Bay, you know, nothing. Gary, you know, part of that, and this is the one thing we'll never know because each player is different, but, you know, I, I don't think there has been – uh, the, this huge line of wide receivers banging down the door to come play with Aaron Rodgers either. And Devontae Adams wanted out of town and MVS certainly wanted out of town. Gary MVS would have wound up being their number one wide receiver this year. He's playing 74% of the snaps right now in Kansas city and, and doing a heck of a job. Like, like you said, they added Juju. They, they added Kadarius Tony here to, you know, to already go, you know, everyone say Kansas city didn't have a number one wide receiver, Gary, but, they have one of the five best tight ends in the history of the game. He is like a number one, you know, there yeah. with Kelsey. But, yeah. uh, you know, Gary, the way Rodgers operates on the field with, with his, you know, shenanigans all the time, the eye rolls, you know, the throwing up of his hands, the undressing of wide receivers at times, it doesn't make him the most attractive quarterback to come and play with. I mean, he, he Gary, you could argue that in the last 25 years, he and Adams were – you know, one of the three or four best combinations quarterback wide receiver that the game has seen and the wide receiver for whatever reason wanted to, to get out of town. Um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't exactly adhere himself to teammates very often, Gary. And we talked about this last week after, you know, he, he ripped, uh, you know, he ripped his teammates to the, to, to Pat McAfee and, and called for some of them to be benched, but uh, no, Gary, that I mean, they didn't give him much for whatever reason. Maybe guys didn't want to come and play in Green Bay either, and and now right, here's you know what, Rob. That that goes back to your point before, though. But moving up in the draft, they they had the ammo to move up. Uh, you know, nobody can convince me otherwise. I mean, at the very worst, they could have got Traylon Burks. Okay, and I know the Titans are sky high on that kid. And again, I was told by a source uh, this was right around the draft that Tennessee went up because they knew Green Bay was going to take Burks. They were absolutely adamant that they had to get a green, stay ahead of Green Bay to get Burks, you know? And uh, I, I don't know if the Packers miscalculated and thought he was still going to fall, but uh, I, I can tell you that the Titans wanted Burks, and they knew in order to get him, they had to get ahead of the Packers. Yeah, Gary, you know, I, I wrote a whole bunch of things leading up to the draft about, you know, Gr- Green Bay had the two number ones, obviously, right? Pick 22, mm-hmm. which they used on on Quay Walker, and then 28, which they used on Devontae Wyatt. And, and Devontae Wyatt's had an incredibly disappointing rookie year, and, and, and Quay Walker is playing, but he's a complete liability right now against the run. He, he gets overpowered at the point of attack, and and he's certainly been below average in, in some of his zone drops and things like that, Gary. But but regardless, it's pick 22 and 28. And if I remember right, Gary, you know, the way the trade value chart worked, yeah. those two picks probably got them up to about pick 10. Um, you know, if they would have traded both 
first round picks. It got them right up there around number 10. And, and, and you look back on that draft, Gary, you know, Drake, Drake London was the first one taken the kid out of USC. He went to Atlanta at number eight. Garrett Wilson went to the jets at number 10. You remember there was that huge run after the first seven or eight picks. We, exactly. we didn't, we didn't have much. Then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the saints take Olavi at 11. And, and that was the guy I, you know, if I was green Bay that, that I would have targeted, he was my favorite wide out in that you know, draft. And, yeah. and, and, and he's had a nice season so far, uh, you know, with the saints, Jamison Williams went to the lions at 12 Gary. Of course, he's the, you know, he, he's, he was the injured kid coming off the ACL yeah. I mean, he, heck, Gary, he could turn out to be the best whiteout of, of this draft yet. And, you know, Dotson went to the commanders at 16. He, he's had a decent start to, to his career and, and he's got a chance. And, and like you said, then Burks went 18 to, to Tennessee. So what is that? Five, six whiteouts, Gary went between yeah. what picks eight and 18 and, and green Bay had to get in that mix somewhere at, at some point in time. And they had the ammo to do it. Um, Gary, I talked to so many people leading up to the draft, and they all they all said the exact same thing. Brian Gutekunz controls this draft. He has yeah. so much draft capital with the two ones and all sorts of picks on the back end. He picked up that extra second as well, you know, from, from the Raiders and the Devontae Adams trade. And, and what did he do? He sat quietly and... I'll tell you what, it certainly doesn't look like he hit on these picks that he that he sat there for, Gary, with 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 Walker and, and Wyatt and Watson. I, I know it's early, you know, but the one trade, like we said, that he did made give did make giving up two twos for Christian Watson certainly doesn't look good at this point in time for a guy who's frail and he can't stay on the field. So yeah, I mean, you, you add it all up, Gary, and 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 I and I know we did a podcast immediately after the draft, and and I said I thought he blew it on draft night by not getting himself up there into the into the top ten and getting one of those studs, and and it looks even worse today. Things look even worse and worse, Gary. That that the trade deadline passes, and and once again it's crickets at twelve sixty five Lombardi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very. I mean, if you're a Packer fan, you got to just be utter, utterly disappointed. Um, and, and you know what? I'm from the from the uh, group that when there's a trading deadline, you make a trade, even if you're absolutely convinced it's not going to improve your team, but you're sending a message to the team that you're at least trying to make that team better. I mean, if you're Kenny Clark or if you're Aaron Rodgers or Rashawn Gary and you see your jam really not, you know, going all in and saying, basically, Hey, this is the group we're going to go with. Are you giving up on the season? I mean, what, what's their, you know, I'll be very curious to see how they respond against Detroit. I mean, body language will tell a lot that day, whether, you know, they, they believe they're already out of it. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, Detroit's not going to be the real test, right? I mean, Detroit sold off its best player today when it got rid of Hawkinson. Um, Did, Did you see the odds though for the game? Is it three or four still? Three and a half points. Yeah, that's... I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, no given there at all. No, I mean, uh, hey, there's no given on any any game the rest of the season when you're when you're, you're right. Green Bay Packers and you're mired in a four game losing streak for the first time, Gary, since 2016, and and you're averaging fewer points than any Packer team has, you know, in 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 this this stretch of time since Aaron Rodgers took over. They don't have any weapons, Gary, and I I will say this, and I know we'll get into this a little bit here as as we move forward. 
I thought they found a formula the other night in Buffalo to, to find a way to get to eight or nine wins, uh, which is, which is probably about as optimistic as I think anybody should be at this point in time, yeah. looking at a three and five football team. That's in a four game losing streak, losing, you know, to, 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 to Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson and Taylor Heineke. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, but Gary, the, the way they ran the ball Sunday night in, in Buffalo and stuck with the run even when the score was 24 seven in the third quarter or whatever, and they were down typically a time where you'd start to see Rogers wing it all over the yard. That has to be their path and it has to be their formula. And we've preached this on this now for on this podcast now for two straight months, Gary, I thought to myself the other night, man, if, if they would have stuck with this approach against the giants, if they would have stuck with that approach, for example, against Washington, you're probably yeah. talking about a five and three football team instead of a, a three and five football team. I mean, now I, I will say this, that that was the worst game of the year that Buffalo played. I've watched Buffalo every week and, and that was the worst game they've played. I thought they got sloppy and, and got lazy once, once they got the big lead, but regardless green Bay's path to winning football games is to hammer away with Jones, a little bit of Dylan. I'm telling you Gary right now, Aaron Jones remains the most underappreciated star in the league. He is their best football player. It's not even close at this point in time. He's got to get 20 to 25 touches a game, which they finally woke up and gave him to uh, gave him that amount on, on Sunday night. Aaron Jones is so freaking good, Gary. It's unbelievable. And, and all, and, and there was so much talk uh, leading into the deadline would, would green Bay trade him because you know, that contract isn't very friendly for, for 2023 and, and some of those kind of things, green Bay would be absolutely nuts to, to move on from, from Aaron Jones. They, they need to do everything in their power to keep him on this roster moving forward. He he's so far and away right now, Gary, their best football player. It's, you know, it, it, to me, it's not even close. And uh, the more they ride him, they'll have a chance in some of these games, but Gary, if they get back to the way it was the prior three games, where Rodgers threw the ball 70% of the time in those first three losses during this four game winning streak, they have no chance to win. Well, so see, that, that I, and I totally agree, Rob, which, which I don't understand with LaFleur. I mean, LaFleur is a, a bright guy. I mean, nobody's going to dispute that, but you think the Packers would play to their strengths and, it, and it's very apparent with, with that porous receiving core that their running backs are their strength. And yet you're you're absolutely right. They're throwing the ball like there's no tomorrow to against a, a bunch of glorified college receivers. Yeah, it's a bunch of threes and fours at this point in time, yeah. Gary. You know, kudos to Dubs and who made a couple of circus catches the other night, including the touchdown one and and Samari Toure, who had his first career touchdown by by really ad limbing well on the run. But Gary, those guys aren't number ones. Uh, not mm-hmm. not even close. You know, Rogers has been giddy now for two, three weeks that Sammy Watkins is coming back. Sammy Watkins had no impact in that football game. He's you know? done. He's absolutely He's done. done. Randall Cobb is done, Gary. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are old broken down players that are on the wrong side of 30 in a league that doesn't love you anymore. You know, yep. once 29, 30, 31 years old. So we, we, we've said it all along their, their path to eventually playing really good offense is the youth. It's the young guys. The problem is those guys aren't going to grow up in time and in 2022. So what's your Avenue to win, right? It's it's Jones, it's Dylan, it's Rogers play passing and picking his spots in the pass game. And what it should have been Gary is a top five defense that looks nothing like a top five defense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the only way Gutekunst comes out of this looking halfway decent is if they sign Odell Beckham. To me, it, it, it's like the wild card. If Beckham is healthy, he can make a world of difference. The problem is they got to get him in sooner than later. But is it possible the Packers could have a verbal agreement with him already? Uh, think that's out of the realm of possibilities. Gary, let me ask you this, though. I'll counter with this. Even if you put him on the roster tomorrow, and I don't think he's going to be ready to play for at least another month. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, so, not, so now by that point in time, you're down to the last four or five games of the season, and, yep. and, and, and that might be optimistic if you get a month out of that guy. Do you think he's really making a dramatic difference for your football team in 2022? I do. I you do. do. Yeah. Okay. And, and simply, I, I I think Tanyan is finally coming around, uh, you know, showing that he can be, a, you know, a pretty good tight end. You, you got the running backs coming, coming, you know, alive now. And here's another big if. If Watson regains his health and can stay in the field, I, I think he would. I, I think he would dramatically uh, improve it. Like I said, right now, the receiving court is god-awful. And, and Beckham, if he's healthy, that, that's the key. If he's healthy, could make a major impact. I, I just don't know what he's got left, Gary. He's had multiple knees now in his, yeah, yeah. In his career, right? That's, that, that's a tough injury to come back from. Most of the time, it's the second year back, not the first year back where you where you really make an impact. And, and man, you know, after this Detroit game, Gary, you look at that three-game window where they play Dallas, which is probably the second-best team in the conference, Right now, Tennessee, which could run for 5 million yards against them. Let's hope um, I got Henry in my fantasy football league. Good for you. I mean, you, <laughs> too, bad, too bad it's not championship week, right? Yeah, precisely. When you, can, when you can trot Henry out there to get 47 <laughs> points against the Packers. And then they go to Philly, Gary. I mean, so, you know, let, let, let's assume they'll they'll beat up on Detroit because I, I do think they will. I Gary, if, if they somehow lose the Lions game, the season's over, right? I mean, they, they should all be playing with their hair on fire Sunday. I, I expect them actually to route Detroit. That three and a half is, is comical to me. I think Green Bay plays its best game of the year on Sunday and, and throttles Detroit. But then with that three-game stretch coming up against Dallas, Tennessee, and Philly, Gary, they're probably going to be fortunate to win one of those three games. So Agreed. now you're looking at a five and seven football team yeah. um, that, that, that has to make a choice with a month left. Do you bring in a guy like Odell Beckham uh, for the stretch run? Does it matter? Is, do, do you keep giving those snaps to the young guys? Cause Gary, even if they get to nine and eight, I think that's really optimistic. They'd have to finish the year six and three at this point in time. You're probably looking at a seven seed, right? Going to Philly, going to Dallas, um, something like that. Maybe going up to Minnesota again. Um, cause let's assume the Vikings are going to get to 12, 13 wins when, when this thing is all done and they'll be in the mix. Maybe they go to San Francisco, Gary, who, uh, you know, to, to me, I still think is, is going to wind up winning the NFC when this thing is all said and done. Um, and, and, and they get throttled in the first round of the playoffs. I, I mean, I, I don't know, Gary, and that's why I come back to this whole thing. They're an organization right now stuck in limbo. They're stuck in no man's land. They've committed to this quarterback, but they don't have a championship roster. In a perfect world, they would have started the rebuild a year or two ago, got that treasure trove of draft picks for Aaron Rodgers, but Gutekunst chickened out, threw all his cards in the middle, and folded his hand, didn't get those 
draft picks that he should have gotten at the time for Rodgers. So here, Gary, they're stuck. They're stuck in the middle, and it's the worst place in football to be. Yeah. Anything else you uh, want to say about the uh, trading deadline from a Packer perspective? Otherwise, we'll uh, move on and, and, and talk about, you know, normally the trading deadline isn't that big of a deal or, or even the weeks leading up to the trade deadline. But my goodness, there there were some outstanding trades made. And, and like you alluded to earlier in the podcast, the McCaffrey trade was unbelievable. You know, talk about a team that's saying, hey, we're all in. That's what yep. the 49ers did. And again, if that kid stays healthy, I agree with you. 49ers is gonna, are going to go to the Super Bowl. Well, Gary, you know, a handful of years back, they took the trade deadline and they moved it to now about halfway through the season. It used to be at about the quarter pole, mm-hmm. right? Well, four or five games into the year, teams don't know who they are yet. They, you know, everybody's two and two or one and three and thinks they or three and one and think they have a chance and stuff like that. By the time we hit the midway point, which is where most of these teams are today, eight games into their season, you kind of know who you are and, and you know, if you have a chance or not. And Gary, what really jumped off the page to me is these championship contenders all over the place were incredibly active, right. In adding a Correct. piece to you, right. You yep. mentioned the 49ers with McCaffrey, which I think is going to wind up being the trade of the year and, and, and might win Lynch GM of the year when it's all said and done. But, but Gary, I mean, let, let, let's just bounce around, right? Minnesota adds a top five to 10 tight end in TJ Hawkinson. How dynamic is that offense now, which was already really good. Now they've got a pro bowl level tight end, right? The eighth pick in the draft a few years ago, you know, Philly, which is unbeaten gets a stud pass rusher in, in Robert Quinn from the bears, yeah. right? right? Baltimore Gary, which is going to have a chance, you know, to make some noise in the AFC get Chicago's next best player or maybe their best player in, in Roquan Smith, Miami, who thinks they have a chance now when Tua's healthy. They haven't lost Gary yet with Tua. He's five and oh, they go and get Bradley Chubb, right? The stud defensive end from Denver. And they had a, you know, they, they had a running back in, in, in Jeff Wilson, even Buffalo Gary, who I think is the best team in the league runs out there and, and gets a running back and a safety today. The chiefs get a wide. I'll, I'll tell you, Rob, Jeff Wilson can play. I know he can. He's a nice player. I mean, I mean, nobody's making a big deal about that, but I, it wouldn't shock me if he made an impact right off the bat for them. Absolutely. So now he's paired back there with Mostart, you know, the old, the old 49er yeah. as well. Wilson comes from the 49ers because why? Because they had added Christian McCaffrey and there's no snaps left now uh, for, for Jeff Wilson. Right. But, but Gary up and down the league, even teams like Arizona who, uh, you know, who, who think they still have a chance in this thing, pick up a wide receiver like like Robbie Anderson. Cleveland kind of looks at the whole thing. Gary is, is a mess, and they know they're getting Deshaun Watson back. What do they do? They pick up a nice linebacker from the Falcons. I mean, ha- two-thirds of the league, Gary, was active. Yeah. And, and I think that's what drives Packer Nation absolutely bongos, right, is, is year in and year out, nobody knows what's going on. This particular week, um, you know, in, in Green Bay, Gary, there was a press conference about, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago when Mike McCarthy was the coach and Ted Thompson was the general manager and the trade deadline came and went. And the next day at the at the press conference, Bill Huber, a great, uh, great guy, great reporter, asked, asked Mike McCarthy 
So this is the Wednesday after the Tuesday trade deadline. Right. Exactly. Gary, and, he, and, he, and he asked McCarthy, you know, what, what is Tuesday like around here? You know, what are, are there a lot of conversations going on where your phone's busy? And McCarthy goes for the trade deadline. He goes, he says, uh, isn't that next week? Yeah. <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he, and Huber goes, no, it was yesterday. And McCarthy goes, Oh, he goes, that's how the trade li- trade deadline works around here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, just, it, it, just, it, a, it, just an all-time classic, Gary. Yeah, I mean, and it's absolutely true. I mean, with Ted Thompson and, and now Gutekunst, and yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But Gary Gutekunst has never added a piece at the trade deadline. Right. Right. Five five years on the job now. In 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 his first year, he sold some parts. You know, he. He sold Ty Montgomery, Ty Montgomery and he sold Ha Ha Clinton Dix. But in, all, in these five years, he has not added a piece. You know, I thought the Rams might be active. Uh, you know, I heard they were involved with Brandon Cooks. But I, I really thought in light of the 49ers making that blockbuster trade for McCaffrey, I, I thought the Rams might counter. They didn't count, you know, counter. But I'll tell you what, I, I love Minnesota's pickup of Hawkinson. Yep. Uh, like you said, top five, top 10, you know, tight end, but they, they, they don't know when Irv Smith comes back. Okay. He's out for at least eight to 10 weeks. So all, all, all they automatically plug a hole, but when Irv Smith comes back, all of a sudden you have two dynamic tight ends. Plus you have Jefferson, plus you have cook that, uh, that offense is going to be really good. Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, like you said, cook the two tight ends, the line is decent. The no. quarterback hasn't mucked things up too bad this Not year. Yet. <laughs> Not yet. He will. I mean, they haven't hit the playoffs yet. He probably will. But, hey, kudos to them, right? And Yeah, and like, absolutely. You, you, you know what message that sends to the locker room? It says, we think you guys are good enough. We think you are the right people to get us over the hump. We think you are the right group of guys to chase a Super Bowl, and we're going to give you a little bit of help. Hey, Here's the number eight pick from the draft four years ago named TJ Hawkinson, who caught 75 or 80 balls last year for the lions, right? You guys couldn't stop him the twice a year you played him. So now he's, now he's going to put on some purple and he's going to catch six balls a game for you guys. What a remarkably uplifting moment that must be in the locker room. Something nobody has any idea what that looks like in green Bay. Yeah. And on the flip side, what is Detroit thinking? Do they expect to find a tight end as good as him anytime soon? Um, you know, you, you try to give golf some pieces and, and they trade away probably their best piece. I mean, you, you can m- make a case for St. Brown, but, uh, Hawkinson's good player. And, and I, I don't know what's running through their mind, uh, you know, in Detroit. Hey, um, it was kind of interesting, Rob, on a day when Packer nation was going absolutely ballistic the organization would come out and say that they are inducting Jordy Nelson and Josh Sitton into the Packer Hall of Fame. Mere coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, look, hey, look over here instead, everybody, right? Yeah, the, I mean, come the on. The oldest I mean, PR trick in, in the world, right? Ryan Braun shows up uh the spring after after his his steroid suspension about about 10 years ago. And yeah, and guess what? And guess what happens in, in spring training? they find this magical dog named Hank, right? And, yeah, yeah. and everybody in the world wants to talk about Hank and write stories about Hank and put, and put, and put Hank on your local news instead of Ryan Braun, which was the real story, right? It's a, it's a terrific PR trick. And I, I mean, Hey, 
Jordy Nelson and Josh Sitton are both obviously, you know, more than worthy of being in the Packer Hall of Fame. They're 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 two of the best players the Packers have had in the last 15 years, Gary. And 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 kudos to them, right? Rightfully deserved that they'll get that spot in the Hall of Fame. But like you said, it's not any kind of coincidence that uh, you know, on on the day of the trade deadline, three hours before the deadline hits, they send out the press release saying, uh, Hey, we're throwing these two guys in the Hall of Fame. Every everybody write about this now and pay attention to this. Yeah, and you know, you know what? It, it wasn't fair to those two gentlemen. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's a big deal for these guys to go into the Packer Hall of Fame. And they could have waited a couple days and let the uh, dust settle, you know, and, and, and then sprung this out there and uh, given those two their proper due. But I, I, I thought they uh, dropped the ball on that one. And Well, Gary, they've dropped the ball a lot in 2022, haven't they? <laughs> hey, by the way, which which brings up this point, we were, we were talking about dubs and uh, who's the other rookie receiver. Uh, Sorry, Toure or Watson? Yeah, Toure. You know what? They they, they made nice catches, and Toure's adjustment for that touchdown pass was pretty impressive for a, for a late you know first round pick. But the one thing about Dubs that kind of caught my attention was he wasn't separating from guys. You know what I mean? I mean, great catch. Don't, don't you know? Give him credit for that. But on on several of his catches, he's not getting separation. And, and to me, you know, that that's not a good thing. If you want to be a big time receiver. Yeah. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I thought yeah, there it's, were a lot it's of early. I agree. I thought there were a lot of encouraging signs. We, 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 we live so much in the moment now, Gary, and, 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 and every, everybody comes to this, you know, everybody's got black and white conclusions after one series or one game or one weekend and, and things like that. I remember on this podcast, after about week three or four, we, we did 40 minutes, I think, on Romeo Dubs anointing him, right? As, as, as <laughs> yes, we did. Chase, yeah. um, in the league after he had eight or ten catches or seven or whatever it was against against Tampa Bay, I think, in week three or four. Um, Gary, there's a lot to like about Dubs. There, there really there, is. There really his, is, yep. His work ethic is off the chart. I, I do think the kid's really bright. He, he's, he's, he's got some drawbacks, no question, which is why he went in round four. Um, and it, and it doesn't help him either that, you know, the quarterback's calling him out and, you know, when, when the quarterback goes on Pat McAfee and, 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 and starts talking about guys that, that, that should have snaps reduced Gary people in the building are smart enough to know who that is. And, you know, it, 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 it it's the Amari Rogers of the world. It's, it, it was the dubs after his, his no catch performance, uh, against Washington. I, I thought for dubs the other night, Gary, that was a, that, that game should have been a huge confidence boost. The, the touchdown catch he made uh, was one of the better ones you'll see in, in, in the league this year. It was he impressive. Other, he did some other really smart things, Gary, where, where he saw certain coverages and he broke his routes off and he, and he made himself available to Rodgers. I, I think he's learning the NFL game. He, he's learning how to be a pro, which, which takes a ton of time, Gary, at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. It's not like defensive tackle where you just say, find the ball carrier or defensive end where you say, chase the quarterback. The, probably the hardest position after quarterback to learn for rookies is wide receiver. So again, this was all predictable back in April and May that, that the offense was going to struggle with a bunch of rookies and a bunch of old guys. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we knew by the time we hit November, or December, their best hope to start playing really good football was probably going to be these young guys. Well, 
Look, it's trending that way, right? I mean, Dub showed you something the other night. Toure showed you something the other night. I, I They had a whole package of plays set up for Christian Watson that they wanted to run um, that, that could have helped change that football game maybe a little bit. Green Bay was never winning that game, but they could have been more competitive and and hung around uh, – you know, for, for a while, Gary, rather than it be 24 seven as, as quickly as it was, but you know, the, these three young guys, I, I do think have a chance when it, when it, when it's all said and done. Um, the problem is Aaron Rodgers is, is just not one of these kind of quarterbacks that's going to be patient and, and put his arms around guys and, 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 and get them um, and, and really help them. I would say, Gary, get to, to get to a place that, that they eventually need to be. It's some of his leadership, quote unquote, leadership tactics are very questionable, like calling him out publicly. So we'll see how it all plays out, but back to dubs just for a second, Gary, I, I really thought on Sunday night, there was a lot to like. Yeah, no, I, I totally concur. This morning I had a really interesting conversation with a guy who's really on top of the situation with the Raiders. And we were talking about, of course, Devontae Adams and, and so forth. But you got to wonder if Adams is regretting not going or going to Las Vegas, because from what I understand, all hell is breaking loose in that organization. You know, there obviously aren't winning. Several players want out. You know, they're probably <laughs> probably devastated that they didn't get traded today. But um, th- this was a team that was on the rise last year. In fact, that, that was my surprise pick, I think, at one point early in the season to go, you know, to the Super Bowl, perhaps. But I wouldn't they, boast about that, Gary. Huh? I wouldn't boast about you know, that. You they, know, they got off to a great start until they started losing <laughs> players. <laughs> I'm defending that one. But anyway, yeah, yeah like, like they were going to be losing, play, losing players and their head coach and their general manager, right? <laughs> exactly. We could spend an hour. But from what I understand, <laughs> that place is an absolute mess. Uh, they, they do not like McDaniels. McDaniels has a reputation of being a hard ass. And, uh, you know, Gruden was just the opposite. He was kind of a laid back kind of guy. And, uh, made made practices fun, and I guess the practices now are just hellish. So, to summarize, I, I just wonder if Adams wishes he would have stayed in Green Bay. Well, what do you have the other day? One catch for three yards. Yeah, and that's another thing. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the uh, television coverage, but Collinsworth consistently kept talking about Adams and how great he is. Okay, and and, and he is. He's a very very good receiver, but. Um, the guy had one catch that day. <laughs> it wasn't like the ideal time to talk about Devontae Adams. I mean, he's having, I, I think, a very mediocre year out there, by the way. And, and Gary, he, yeah, and, and, and he turns 30, I think, right around Christmas of this year. If I remember his birthday right, it was it was always right around Christmas. So he'll, yeah. be, 30, he'll be 30 in a month. And, and he's always been one of these guys that I felt when he loses it, he's going to lose it quickly because yeah. he's, He's not a four, three, five guy, exactly. right? Who you exactly. can take a tenth of a second away from, and he's still going to beat corners speed wise. When when he loses, you know, he was a four, five guy, Gary. When he loses that tenth of a second of speed, it, it's going to be dramatic. And and you wonder if the if the slide there is, has started a little bit. I don't I, I don't see them enough, Gary, to have that answer. I don't know yeah. if that's Adams beginning the, to slip, if that if that's the quarterback play, if teams are double teaming him. I I, I really don't have an answer on that. I, I don't know that well enough. I, I will say this when when they moved on from him, 
and got a one and a two, I had no problem with it because I, I'm not big on giving guys third contracts, especially <laughs> Gary when they're 30 years old to, you know, invest that kind of money in them. Green yeah. Bay already had all that money tied up at the quarterback, the left tackle, the corner with Jair, who they paid. They're paying Aaron Jones 20 million a year, the nose tackle, Kenny Clark. I mean, they've, they've got high priced guys all over the field. And I just, I didn't think they could pay that to a, to a wide receiver. The problem is that like you mentioned early, Kansas city moves on from Tyreek Hill and, and they fill in the blanks with, three or four really nice pieces that they gave Mahomes. Green Bay just didn't do that. They got a couple of old guys in Randall Cobb and, and Sammy Watkins, who we all know, you know, can't make it through a season. They haven't made it through a season in seven, eight, 10 years. Um, they, they put a lot of faith in Alan Lazard, who we all know was a three and they drafted a whole bunch of rookies. And, and, and I mean, again, unless you're Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, Things usually don't work out for rookies in in season one the 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 way you hope they do, and so all of this to, to me, Gary, was very predictable, um, and and I think we said it back on the show. The but the formula Green Bay wanted to use to win football games was going to be the one, like they used to win the Tampa Bay game early when they beat when they beat the Buccaneers fourteen twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that you know, and, and we haven't spent any time on the show yet, Gary, uh, uh, on this. But the problem for them, as much as anything, is it's a defense that ranks 16th in points allowed, which is absolutely inexcusable for having six first-round draft picks, you know, starting for you and seven first-round picks on your roster. Gary, they rank 29th against the run, and they rank 25th in yards per carry. So if I'm Buffalo, if I'm Chicago, if I'm Detroit come Sunday, I don't care who you are. I'm running the ball 40 times a game against those goofballs. And, and I'm just, I'm hammering it away and hammering and hammering it away. And, um, you know, and then mixing in some play action stuff, like obviously Buffalo did from time to time, but, but Gary Buffalo doesn't even like to run the football and they hammered it away with Singletary the other night. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, this uh, NFL guy was talking to this morning. We were talking about that and, and you know where I stand on this three, four defense stuff. Um, and, and he he agreed with me. The three four defense is is fine, but if you're going to use the three four defense, you better have very very good inside linebackers. And I don't know what's happened with Campbell. I mean, he he's not close to the same guy we saw last year. Number one, and with Quay Walker, you can tell he's a rookie. I mean, he's learning as the season goes on. He's made numerous mistakes. And uh, they're they're getting killed, and um, I, I think that's the price you pay when you go to a three-four. You better have really, really good linebackers. Well, Gary, I think Kenny Clark covered up for a lot of things over the last four or five years. Yeah, and, and you know, and if I was listing some problems right now in the run game, um, I I would say number one, Kenny Clark's not having the same kind of season that he's had. I I, I think Kenny Clark has started to slip a little bit. Um, and I, I love Kenny Clark. I, I really do. I, I think he's been a warrior and, 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 and a really, really high level green Bay Packer for the last four or five years, but there's been some slippage there. Dean Lowry has been largely invisible. These two inside guys, Gary, like you talked about, you don't have a hammer. You don't have a hammer in the run game. I mean, Devondre Campbell, the, the, the knock on him always Gary was that he didn't like to take on blockers, that he wasn't physical enough. It's, it's, it's the big reason he bounced around. Um, as, as much as he did before he wound up having a big year 
last year in Green Bay. And 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 that's been exactly the way things have, have played out for him this year. He has not been physical. You know, he he doesn't do a very good job of taking on blockers and he can get he can get beat up in the run game. Um, the knock on Quay Walker coming out of Georgia, Gary, uh, was that he was a really slow reactor. And yeah. and part of that is because he scored a nine on the Wonderlick. It's it, it's not the brightest guy in the room by any stretch of the imagination. So he's so he's got these crazy physical gifts, Gary, but they don't do you a whole lot of good if if you're standing around thinking about which way you're supposed to run. And yeah. and it's looked that way at times for for Quay Walker, who's made some really bad decisions at times. You know, and then and then it doesn't help me either that right that that's yeah, that that's that a safety like savage keeps missing tackles all <laughs> hey, over Rob, i started talking about him last year if you recall <clears throat> I, I i saw slippage in his game like maybe in the middle of the last season i mean i was just flabbergasted well and slippage they, from what gary you you tell me when he's played high level football in green well, i'm not saying high level but he, he was a pretty good player i thought up until last year and i don't know what happened um not, i'm not saying he was a pro bowl caliber player but he is a good yeah. solid player but that you you saw the whiff, you know, in the game the other day. I mean that that was flat out embarrassing. It was like a uh, high school tackle. Well, he had a couple of really bad plays in that game. Really big missed tackles. I mean, the, obviously the one that jumps out to everyone is, you know, the one the one on was a third and fifteen, and Josh Allen runs right by him, Gary. Yeah, that's that's the uh, one I'm referring to. He, for twenty he, or twenty one yards, he whatever it is on that. Yeah, that that first drive, that first uh, Buffalo touchdown drive. I think it was Buffalo's second possession, but it was, it was the first time they scored. I mean, Gary, he wanted no part of that tackle. He, no. he, he, he kind of, he kind of did that, you know, sissy half, half shoulder type of a deal into, into Allen on, on the play, you know, where in, instead of actually extending his arms and, and trying to wrap up, he, he tried to hit a 245 pound man with, with it, with his left shoulder. And yeah. guess, guess how that's going to work, right? Josh yeah, Allen's yeah. going to keep on going right down into the, to the goal line. So uh, no, they've, they're between a rock and a hard place, Gary, too. I mean, the, the, we don't have to spend a lot of time on that, but you know, Adrian Amos is going to be a free agent when the year is done. Do you give him a third contract? I doubt it. Do you, do you pick up the fifth year on Savage after what you've seen from this year? I don't know that I'd want to do that either. So yeah. Green Bay's going to have some really tricky decisions to make it safety. No, no question. Hey, uh, one other topic I, I want to touch on before we uh, call it a day is, uh, non-packer related for the most part, but am I the only one in the world that is just getting down on the officials in the NFL and how they're not being held accountable? I mean, every time a player commits an infraction, you know, a hold or a clip or whatever, the officials announce his name, then the TV guys, you know, confirm it, it was number 57, blah, blah, blah. But every time there's a controversial play or a call, you never, ever hear, you know, that was Bill Smith, you know, making that call. I mean, nothing. I mean, it's it just absolutely incredible how these officials are protected. They're paid a lot of money. Um, and, and obviously, they have huge influence in the outcome of games. Why can't they announce, you know, who these guys are? And, and hold these officials accountable. That's the question I pose to you, Mr. Reichel. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's in their contract, Gary, that they get anonymity, but uh, it typically does work out that way. 
Is, is, is there a game or a, a sequence or a moment that you're most ticked off about here? No, I mean, it, it, oh. it, this has been going on forever, but. Um, so this is just more big picture deal. Yeah. I mean, like, let, let's uh, use the Tanyan uh, pass interference call. Sure. Okay? I mean, that was a critical call. I mean, if they, they allow that touchdown, it's 27 to 21. Okay. And if you go back and look at the replays, both guys had hands on each other, you know, and all of a sudden it's like pass interfere, offensive pass interference. I go, what, <laughs> you know, but again, a- at least they can say, okay, the back judge, you know, Bill Smith made that call or whatever. Um, and then the other one that uh, kind of rankled me was the, the Quay Walker incident. Remember when he got called for unsportsmanlike conduct? Oh, I do. And they penalized him 15 yards, and they were absolutely correct. I mean, no no issue about that at all. But then some bozo from the league office or whatever, and where, where are they stationed? In New York? Yep, in New York. Comes along and says, you got to throw him out of the game, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm thinking, okay, you got a field full of veteran officials uh, who, who, you know, were there. They saw the whole situation. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this magic man from the NFL said, Quay Walker is ejected from the game. Did it make any sense to you? Well, maybe, uh, the one thing we don't know, Gary, is, you know, it was, was something said that they picked up on audio that was heard again, maybe back in New York. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't have any problem with it. Heck, Gary, Matt LaFleur didn't have a problem with it. He, he really didn't. He, he, he was harder on Quay Walker, I thought, than any player that I can remember him ever being uh, tough on when he started a podium. Usually, Matt Lafleur is the last guy in the world to, yeah. to criticize or bury a player, but but he 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 let Walker up pretty good for for that lack of judgment at, the, at that moment, and and went on about you know his team losing their cool at, at critical points in time, and and what a bad look that was was for everybody. I, Gary, th- th- there's a fine line, right? I mean, y- y- you want to play with toughness and intensity and some chippiness, but you can't go too far either. Like, I thought it was a bad look the other night, personally, the way Jair Alexander uh, played out there at, at, at times. I mean, he, it, he he had a terrific football game. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, the, 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 the guy's an all-world corner, but he doesn't, do, he doesn't need to run his mouth that much either. Just... You know, he, he makes all this so personal and so chippy with, with so many of these wide receivers and instead of just playing. And, and maybe he needs that. I don't know, Gary. Different guys. Well, are you know what? Different I, I, totally, I totally agree with you, Rob, about Alexander. And, and then his comments, uh, I guess it was on Tuesday, about how he won the battle with Stephon Diggs. Right. I mean, give me a break. It's it's not about one-on-one battles. It's about winning. If, if, if that's, you know, what you're happy about, individual awards great but uh was it enough to win no so well yeah. it's, it's very it's very similar to the quarterback after the washington loss a couple of weeks ago telling the world that tom clemens gave him a nice grade right in the uh <laughs> you know in in in, in, in the post game film review no you're totally right i mean alexander thought he won the battle because he got a late pick right at garbage time yeah uh, when 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 the, when the game was already decided um you know, Terry McLaurin beat him up the week before out in Washington. The, um, you know, as, as good as Jair is, and he's he's outstanding. Don't get me wrong. I I I think he gets involved too much in a, in a lot of this one on one and mouthy stuff. Um, you know, and, and 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 Quay Walker, Gary, I didn't have a problem that they 
that they tossed him. My, again, my guess is my guess is something was said there that they picked up on the audio potentially back in New York. Um, it's got to be a point but, of emphasis. But you know what, Rob? Right yeah, now, yeah. Gary, for, for Matt LaFleur, and sorry to sorry to yeah. talk over you there, but, you know, I LaFleur's got to get that stuff kind of calmed down and controlled and, yeah. and, 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 you know, get his team uh, playing, I think, with more composure moving forward because it, it did hurt them, I thought, the other night, Gary, especially then, you know, once Campbell had to, had to leave with his injury too. Now, now all of a sudden you're down to two backup inside linebackers. That, that's the last place in the world they wanted to be uh, in, in that game against Buffalo. So that, that to me is a real challenge for Lafleur now. Um, you know, one, one of many that he has <laughs> to, 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 try to, get this, uh, to try to get this thing fixed as soon as possible, Gary. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, I, I, I obviously wasn't in green Bay with the, for the uh, press conference with Quay Walker, but did he say why he shoved that guy? I mean, you just don't shove a guy without any reason, you know? And my initial observation was that he, this guy mouthed off or said something because why would Quay Walker just randomly pick up a guy on the sidelines and shove him, you know? Yeah, you know, he talked at length after the game, Gary, and and he actually cut it off midstream because he was crying and yes, he walked away yes. from the from the group of people that that he was talking to there out in Buffalo. I, I, I don't know, Gary. I watched that play four or five times. I I you know, it was a practice squad tight end with the Bills who he who he kind of shoved and uh you know pushed at, at that moment. And it sure looked to me like that player was trying to keep Quay Walker from, from tumbling or going down. Right. And I thought, yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought that guy did absolutely nothing wrong. And yeah. And, and, and Walker misread the situation. He misunderstood it. It was again, it, it's heat of the moment. He's trying to make a tackle against his old college teammate, right. The running back there, cook. Um, you do wonder Gary, you know, did he, were, were he and cook jawing a little bit? They could have been, they, you know, they, 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 they went after each other for, you know, a number of years at Georgia. So that, so that was certainly, you know, a possibility to get things stoked up even more. And, and now he gets to the sideline and he's ramped up and he's fired up and he, and he, and he kind of misconstrues the situation a little, a little bit and, and then, and then kind of loses his head for, for a brief second. But no, I, I, I don't think anybody there, Gary, watching that tape three, four, five times, I don't think anybody on the Buffalo side did anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't want to belabor the officiating uh, story here, but I, I do have one other instance that that, that kind of gnawed me. Did you see the uh, Carolina-Atlanta uh, game where DJ Moore caught the touchdown pass? I did. Okay. And then he took off his helmet, and uh, they had to move back the extra point, and, of course, the uh, kicker missed from whatever it was, 47 yards. There was a film that came out today that, Moore removed his helmet off the field. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, that, that, that was what the film showed. Okay. And if, and if he did that, it's not a penalty. Okay. Right. And again, the official who made this call should be held accountable because that cost him a game. Um, I, I, again, I just don't see why, uh, officials aren't uh, scrutinized much more than what they are. Yeah, you're not wrong, Gary. I'll just say this. I mean, it, 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 the human element is involved. I don't think officiating has been good since I've started watching sports when, you know, we can find five to 10 calls 
per game. You 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 can you can put on New Mexico Boise State on on a Thursday night. You can put on a on a Big Ten game Saturday afternoon. You can pick you know any game from the AFC East on a Sunday night. And I don't think the the officiating is always going to be very good, Gary. Um, it's it's just it's it's the nature of the beast. My biggest problem remains, Gary, that instant replay was thrown in 30 years ago or whatever to, to fix this thing 25 years ago, I guess, after, you know, the Jerry Rice fumble, non-fumble in the, in the Packer 49er game in the 98 wildcard. Um, an instant replay should fix a lot of this stuff. And, yeah. and, and they spend five minutes in a booth, Gary, and they look at it from every way, shape, and form. And you and I can see what the obvious call is and replay still doesn't fix it. And now they've wasted five minutes of everybody's life. My biggest issue remains, you know, that that instant replay system is remarkably broken. And if they can't fix that, just get it out of there altogether. But I mean, you're not wrong. My, the general belief, you know, across the league from a lot of these coaches and players, and they know it too, Gary, these guys aren't perfect. And these guys are going to screw things up and, and they're going to have to live with some nonsense from time to time. All they hope is that eventually it evens itself out that for, you know, for every call the Packers get in their game, you know, with the saints, then the saints get one coming back the other way. Um, But, but it's a, it's a broken system, Gary, no doubt about it. I think on a lot of levels Um, and, and, and again, you're not wrong. My big beef remains the instant replay deal. Get that thing fixed. There you go. Hey, uh, just a couple uh, thoughts on the uh, Packers Lions game. You think they're going to blow them out, huh? I do. I, I think they found a winning formula. Now the challenge is, can you get that? Can you get that quarterback to stick with the formula? You you said it at the start of the show and said it throughout the show. Matt Lafleur is a smart guy. Matt Lafleur knows what it takes to win football games. When he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee five years ago, you know what he did? He ran the ball. 50 plus percent of the time because his quarterback wasn't very good. He didn't have a lot of weapons in the passing game and he ran and he ran and he ran with Derrick Henry and and he tried to win football games that way. He gets it. Matt LaFleur is not a dummy. Uh, Matt LaFleur didn't uh, lose all his football smarts and IQ in the off season after opening up 39 and 10 in his, in his first three years as the Packer coach, Matt LaFleur fully gets that his best path and Avenue to win football games uh, is Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. The quarterback, I don't think Gary understands that at times, or if he does understand it, he's too stubborn to totally buy in. I saw signs on Sunday night that maybe there's a buy-in for the first time from Aaron Rodgers saying, you know what? I can't throw it 38 times a game to Sammy Watkins and Romeo Dubs and Samari Toure and, yeah. and Robert Tunyon and think we're going to win football games. I, I would think the light finally went on in Rogers thick skull that the best player on that football team today is Aaron Jones. And the probably, you know, the third best player on offense is AJ Dillon who ran like a monster. I thought the other night too, you know, Gary Dillon had 54 in his 10 carries. What did Jones have One forty-three on 20 carries or something like that. Right. I mean, combined they had almost 200 yards. I didn't look at the numbers, Gary, but I would have to think, a buck 20 of that had to come after contact. I mean, those two guys on Sunday night ran like just two humans possessed. Yeah. You know what I love? You know what I love about Jones? He plays with a passion. Sure does. You know, and you really don't see that passion. Correct me if I'm wrong from any other player on that team. I mean, it's like every run counts for him. You know what I mean? 
I, I love players that show that kind of emotion. I'm telling you, Gary, he's the best player on the football team. It's not even close. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback who's got four MVPs and he's making fifty and a half million dollars. He's not as good right now as Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers is on, on this football team. He's a game manager and he's playing okay. He's this year, Gary. He's probably the tenth or twelfth best quarterback in football. Aaron Jones is a top three to five running back in the league and he's their best. He's their best player. So, so back to the Lions, Gary. I mean, that's a that's a team in disarray, right? They, they, they sell off one of their three, four best players today when they dump TJ Hawkinson. That cannot be seen among that coaching staff as, as, as any kind of uh, you know sign of support, right, from management. If you're Dan Quinn and the rest of that staff, what, is, what do they have, four wins, I think, in their two yeah. years so far, Gary? Yeah, yeah. He, he's four and whatever. He's, he's probably toast. I mean, but, but Gary, that's why the lions stay the lions, right? Because Correct. every two or three years they fire Correct. a coach and, and they're, they're in a constant rebuild. I mean, look what Cincinnati did with Zach Taylor, right? They, they were about to whack him two years ago, gave him one extra year, finally showed a little bit of patience and what happened. They wound up in the Super Bowl last year. I'm not telling you that's going to happen with the lions or anything like that, but at some point in time, you need to have some consistency in your organization. Detroit's probably going to do the same thing they always do and, and move on to a new head coach when the year is over. So Gary, I think they're in even more disarray than green Bay. Um, you know, I, I think green Bay, which is seemingly impossible, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Well, um, you, 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 you've got the mud bowl coming on Sunday. Don't you just, just two teams going <laughs> Seemingly going nowhere fast. This this feels like a nineteen eighties noon game, right? Where you where you get where you get CBS's fifth string announcer team. I think I think that's what I think that's what we're gonna see. Yeah, I, I think you and I are on the same page uh, that if the Packers lose Sunday, it's over. It's over. Yep, I'm so, with you. I mean, it, you know, it's crazy thinking that a game in the middle of the season against a bad team would be their most important game of the season, but it could well be. Well, and, and really Gary, I mean, it should be because the NFC is a mess. I mean, Philly's good. Dallas is good. I think Minnesota's good. And I think San Francisco is going to be really, really good when it's all said and done. But yeah. the, the South isn't very good. I'm, I'm still not totally buying Seattle out in the West. I don't buy the giants in the East. Um, you know, so there is going to be an opportunity for green Bay to move up, up the ranks a little bit here. If they can get hot Gary, because I think some of these teams ahead of them are, are going to come back to earth. I mean, I'm not buying the Falcons, right? Some, right. Of, the, some of these other teams out there that right now are ahead of green Bay in the standings. Um, you know, so, so there is, there is plenty of time. And, and, and I think I looked at something the other day, Gary, that, that had their chances to make the playoffs at about 37%, which I, which I thought was high. Uh, but then when you really do break down the conference and, and look and look at some of these teams that are ahead of them and, and where they could be heading, I mean, if, if, if Green Bay can just find a way, Gary, to get to nine and eight, that'll probably do it. That's six and three down the stretch. So um, you look at how tough that schedule is, and, and Detroit's probably the easiest team on there the rest of the year. They better get one Sunday or it's over. Rob, our, uh, our, our deadline is upon us. Uh-oh. Did, did we get anything done in this podcast? 
Well, we, you know, much, much to the chagrin, Gary of Packer nation, we, 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 we didn't, we didn't add a, 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 a wide receiver or, or another linebacker or a left yeah. tackle. Oh, well, but I'll tell you what, oh, well. Rod, we, I, this was a fun show. I, I thought it was a great show. And uh, thanks always again for your interesting takes. And uh, thanks to our listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and WuffelsPressBox.com.